Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. In today's very sad and somber episode of the Churros y Tacticas podcast, we'd like to pay homage to the victims of FC Barcelona, who were the subject of much oppression and tyranny over the weekend. And here over at Churros y Tacticas, we don't stand for that. In fact, we vehemently oppose tyranny and oppression. So I would like our listeners to join me in honoring the victims of Barcelona today. And I would like to um, note that today's intro will have an R for every single tier that Kuman and PK had over the weekend. <laughs> Welcome to the Churros! <laughs> e Tacticas podcast, we are here, post-classical edition, baby. I Liga, more than there's been all season. The title race is on, and Real Madrid come away with the victory on their last legs, barely even able to stand by the time the final whistle blows. And they got out, they got in, they got out, they got the W. They beat Barcelona twice this season, three times in a row. It's been fun. It's been great. And joining me, we have to solace him. We got to, we got to, really joining me for his, probably his version of therapy is Diego Lorin. Diego, how are you feeling? I'm tired, man. I cannot believe it's only Tuesday. I feel exhausted. It's another long week. And uh, I've been, I know that you and tons of other Madridistas have been looking forward to this podcast, this edition of Churros, uh, of course, because of the classical, all the repercussions and the tweets that went out. And uh, people are eager to know our opinions about the match. So I'm also eager. I'm also excited to get into it because there's so much to be said. We hyped up this class before it took place. We, you know, built it up saying that this could potentially be one of the best classicals we've seen in years. And I think both teams did justice to that. Um, I surely was entertained. I, um, by both teams, I should say, I was proud of my boys as well. And of course, I mean, yes, it ended in a very bitter note, a very sour note. Unfortunately, 
for the interest of Barca, we couldn't come away, not even with a point, which would have been deserved. But, um, you know, without any further ado, let's get into it. I don't know where you want to pick it up. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, like I said at the beginning or before we started recording, I, I said I was surprised that you were even uh, here today on a Tuesday today to record this podcast, seeing as, you know, Madridistas, I imagine, would have passed the page and already looking forward to, the, you know, your matchup with Liverpool to advance to the Champions League semifinals. But uh, so I appreciate you taking the time and uh, rolling out your R's and talking to me today, Kian, and, uh, you know, going through the nitty gritty of this classical because it was it was jam-packed it had everything it had excitement and action and it had controversy it had it all i mean if we didn't record today we would have been canceled this is like one of the most i mean of course the most anticipated churros episodes are after every classical probably the one right yeah. before the, every classical and anytime barcelona gets knocked out of the champions league those are the ones that like the ratings are through <laughs> the roof so um really this is actually for us it's not even for the listeners <clears throat> but um, yeah. I, where would we start? I would like yeah, to start. I mean, you and I, we didn't get a chance to talk. Yeah. No. And that, and that's, that it's intentional too, because we yeah. don't want, we want this conversation to be fresh and not rehearsed and repeated. Right. So this is the first time, yeah. you know, sometimes we'll send shit to each other on WhatsApp, but, but nothing too, um, too, too crazy or too revealing. So we want to save it, but I think we start where. Or indirectly on Sundays, <laughs> Sunday lunch. Brunches. I saw your fucking stories on Instagram, man. Don't you know that got to me? You know, you poured that song right into the world. Refreshing wounds, to yeah. make to see if Diego Lorin has viewed my story yet. That's my, <laughs> that's the entire reason I posted it. Oh, that man. or we or we passive aggressively tweet stuff from Churusi Tacticus account, waiting for the other one to see our very tweets. passive aggressively. My God. Um, I would like to take off where but you got a great ability, Keon, to very suddenly get under people's skin. I don't know people, my skin. I'll just put it that way. I, my, my favorite one was I actually tweeted something, my own view, like during the first half, like before Benzema yeah. scored, I think it was. <laughs> and I was like, Barcelona was the better team. And everyone was like, yes. what the fuck are you talking about Diego? I was like, hey, Diego. <laughs> poor Diego wasn't even like on the internet at that point. You had no idea that was happening. <laughs> I saw that. I love that. <clears throat> um, where do you want to take this one? And I mean, there's so much to be said. Uh, well, let me start by asking you this. You know, my big takeaway, like I said, we were hyping this up. I think it did El Clasico justice. What do you think? Did it do it justice? Were you entertained by one team, both teams? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to say that I'm just, I'm having a good week um, because mm. I don't know. I've had this feeling for a while now that football isn't as enjoyable as it used to be for me personally. Not as uh -huh. a whole, like obviously it really depends on whose fan you are at this point, but Real Madrid haven't played exciting football in a long time. I enjoyed the Clásico I was at last March. That was really fun. Um, I haven't really enjoyed watching Real Madrid play in a long time. I enjoyed Liverpool first leg. I enjoyed Atalanta second leg. And the Clásico, I didn't enjoy the performance as much, but I enjoyed the football. Like, it, you know, I was very nervous. Like the way, by the time Eli Shmoriba yeah. hit the crossbar at the end, I was like, holy shit, let's just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and so like, you know, <laughs> but I haven't felt that adrenaline in a long time, you know? So I w I'm just mm -hmm. happy to feel that again. So uh, the Clásico right. did live up to it. I, I, thought, I thought Barcelona were really good in this game. I thought Real Madrid... Um, just the, I guess the sheer grit and the, the transition offense from Vinicius and co was really good. So I, I, I thought it, it, it lived up to the hype. 
And um, I just, mm-hmm. and again, you know, we mentioned this before the game too. If Barcelona win this Clasico, I think Real Madrid can count themselves out of the title race. And if Real Madrid win, we have this mm-hmm. very interesting finish. And I was looking at the standings today, by the way. Atletico, yeah. Real Madrid, and Barcelona are all neck and neck. And then Sevilla, like low-key, yeah. are like not even that far behind. They're like a few points behind Atleti in first place. So obviously, I don't, you know, unfortunately, no one will look at them as con- title contenders. But maybe they, they yeah. want it that way. Nobody's thinking about them. And they, they're happy no, with that. They can just kind of go yeah, and fly yeah. under the radar here. So, no, I mean, if we have any Sevilla f- fan listeners, let, let's not let's not pump, you know, delusional hope into. Them. I mean, in Sevilla, we cannot count them as serious title contenders. Wouldn't you love for them to prove us wrong, though? Look, yeah, man. Uh, anybody by Madrid, if it's not Barca winning La Liga, of course. So, sure. Well, there's that pivotal. I think it's like around May 20th where Barcelona play Atleti and Real Madrid play Sevilla. Massive weekend. Mm-hmm. Massive weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's um, all the same weekend, is it? Same weekend, same match day. Yep. All right. It's going to be a banger. That. Okay. So you have no doubt have so some my thoughts. Friend. Do you feel like so yes. you tweeted um some anger during the match? Do you feel I the same? Some do you feel the same um now that some time no. has passed or do you feel angry still? Uh, there's there's moments where my anger uh, flares up there's no doubt about it and um you know i i think my tweet maybe took some people caught some people off guard maybe others not others maybe were hoping for that kind of reaction uh i felt at that point when the third non-penalty call and the weakest of the three was not called at that point in the game, yes, I mean, I, I, I had a Kumon moment where, you know, my negative emotions took the best of me and I did what I normally try to prevent myself from doing, and that is take to Twitter and tweet out some angry shit, knowing that the repercussions, you know, are there, I mean, for people to enjoy, really. And, 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 and I guess, in a way, I do it as well because... I know that it hypes up our, our Churros podcast um, and it gets people excited to, and, you know, and th- th- they want to hear my whining. They want to hear my uh, salty takeaway from the match. And, and, you know, I'm happy to give the, some people, I guess, that kind of pleasure. Um, with regards to my feelings, Kian, and sorry, it is around that time when the family comes in. So excuse the background noise. Um, I have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm very perplexed as to the um, takeaway of many colleagues. When I watched that match, when I watched that first half, um, I felt pretty comfortable, Kian. And all I keep hearing in the post-match and the reflections of, of, of many Barca fans is that even in the first half, now, so, some people will give Barca the edge in the second half, but even in the first half, it was an sheer another domination, y un baño, as they say, a bath that Zizou gave, and I'm translating literally here, uh, you know, a, a steamroll lesson in tactics by Zizou on Kuman. And again, I feel perplexed because I, I was rather comfortable up until you know, maybe the half, a little bit before the half hour mark. Um, I felt that Barca were unlucky not to finish certain plays. I think with the score tied nil-nil, Barca had better chances 
to go ahead on the scoreboard. And here we go back to the first Clásico where I said Barça was closer to the 2-1 than Madrid. And in this case, I felt up until the 1-0, Barça was closer to the 1-0 than Madrid was. Now, is that am I taking away anything for Real Madrid and that wonderful goal that, you know, set up by Valverde, the pass to Lucas Vázquez and that, that incredible finish um, by Benzi? Absolutely not. That was a fantastic goal. Great eyes from Valverde, you know, to see the space, to spot that 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 space, to allow uh, Lucas to run into that space, uh, and that finish. That you know, where you, if anything, I mean, you can be. Of course, you have to give credit to Benzi, uh, and you can be critical of Araujo for allowing Benzema to win that position and not doing a better job. But then again, you can also rewind the tape a little bit further and call out Joe Alba for trying to close down Fede Valverde instead of staying, sticking with his man, Lucas Vázquez, right? Um, having said that, you know, not taking away anything from, from Real Madrid, but I think not recognizing that Barca had chances to score the 1-0, uh, clear chances to score the 1-0, that Madrid up until that point is taking away credit from what we were seeing on, until that point. And that, and, and, and that was... Um, what was it? Uh, the, the pass from Messi to Jordi Alba and Jordi Alba trying to find Dembélé. A great stop from uh, Thibaut Courtois. From from, do you remember? You know the player I'm talking about, yep. Kian. Alba gets in behind Lucas Vasquez. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean that right there. You know, I think we have to count that as an opportunity. Even though Thibaut Courtois didn't get tested, you know, there wasn't a shot on goal. He, he intercepted a pass. That for me is a clear opportunity, a goal scoring leading up to a goal scoring opportunity. Um, and 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 there was another one right now, and I'm blanking. But there were two clear opportunities for me where Barca could have, um, you know, gone ahead in the scoreboard, and it wasn't until the point where Benzema scores the one nil that basically. For me, that that flipped that first uh, that first half. That ba you know, uh, uh, you almost sense like it's like in a boxing match when a boxer gets punched with an incredibly forceful blow, and all of a sudden insecurity just creeps into the face. And that's what I saw in that one nil. And I was almost you know screaming at the television, saying, "No, you know, don't don't buckle now under this kind of pressure. Don't buckle after having gone down one nil." It's there's been many classicos where Barca has gone down one nil and still managed to pick up you know a win. So don't lose the faith, don't lose your face, uh, and don't lose the form neither. And unfortunately, at that point, you saw insecurity creep in, and Real Madrid doing ever so well to capitalize on that insecurity by, you know, uh, by really, you know, capitalizing, I think, on, on the ridiculously high line of defense. I mean, the, the, if, if there's one criticism that I do aim at Ronald Koeman in that first half was, you know, why was the defense so high? Um, and, and, and it's something that we've seen often in big matches with PSG as well, where the defense plays unusually high up the pitch. I feel that final line is incredibly high, and it's really a matter of running into space and feeding the ball into that space to players that are very skillful, very fast, very tact—you know tactful, your Vinicius, etc. Uh, Lucas Vázquez, Benzema, and, and players like Valverde to spot those, those spaces uh, that obviously allow great teams with great talent to capitalize on that. Um, and, and again, I, I stress this because I feel that there's like a lynch mob after this match on players like Araujo and Mingueza. I don't think we're solely at fault. There were individual errors in this game, but to single out the likes of Mingueza and Araujo, I think is unfair. Um, 
then in the second half, and 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 well, let's let's let me stop there to get your your reflections on the first half. Oof, there's a lot there. So I would, <clears throat> I don't necessarily agree that Zidane kind of dominated Kuman or anything. And I, I, I certainly think that like a draw would have been a fair result. I think a narrow win for either team would have been a fair result too. I think like my assessment that first half when Benzema scored, I felt relief because so that that right. that, that play that you mentioned. Um, the one where Alba cuts it back and, and Kurta comes across and, and intercepts it. I, I actually included that in my article yesterday. I didn't actually, I don't know if I included the actual cross from Alba, but the buildup to it, I thought was a, mm-hmm. was a good testament to how much Real Madrid struggled kind of defending. Like anytime Busquets or De Jong would look up, Messi or Pedri or Dembele were wide open in between the lines. And that led to just more offense creation. The thing is Barcelona didn't get, that many shots out of those, but they just got dangerous situations yeah. out of them. That was yes. one of them, right? Um, and yeah. I, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear that from you. And I wish Kules would listen to you. I mean, look, I, I but I also like, so I, you mentioned the high line. I don't know if you saw Phil Kittrow's tweet today. He posted a stat. I'll just read it verbatim. Real Madrid played their lowest mm-hmm. defensive line of the season, six meters lower than our average. Barcelona played their highest defensive line of the season, three meters higher than average. Um, which was interesting because I actually like Real Madrid did most, and if really all of their damage in on the counter attack here, right? I mean, it was nice yeah. to see Vinicius continue his form from the Liverpool game. He was he was difficult to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. Fede, a, a moment of brilliance leading up to Benzema's goal. The Cruz goal was just weird and and really amusing to see Alba just head it into his net like that. But um, if you look at the balance, Best, you mean? Was it Dest? It came off of Dest. Yes. No, well, it kind of Al- came off of his back. Alba was at the post. Yeah, Al- yeah, and the then Alba's the one who can't keep it out, out right? He yeah, he can't keep it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, there's... Um, I think the reason I felt relief in that moment is like because I thought, okay, well... Um, it's possible that Real Madrid don't need to do too much to to score in this game. You know, they can, they can uh-huh. absorb pressure a little bit and be dangerous in the counterattack, have a few chances in and come away with a win. I actually think that the Liverpool yeah. second leg is, could be similar to the way the classical was. Um, mm. But I will say, I didn't really enjoy that. We were so deep, you know, I, I cause I don't think our defensive performance was that good. And I think we were, we went unpunished in a lot of situations from, from Barcelona, to be quite honest with you. And, um, yeah. and I'm okay with that. Like, Kind of thinking back to every classical, there's always both teams just miss like crazy chances often, right? Like it's not uncommon for us to just miss easy chances both sides and then get punished the yeah. other way. So like that's just kind of part of the the classical yeah. nature. Um, but uh, I uh, I guess I, I will say like I think I was impressed with Real Madrid in certain certain aspects. Um, like I really like Mendy's performance in this game dealing with Dest. Um, and also mm-hmm. kind of defending Dembele one 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 v one, and I you know so there were there were little things that I was impressed with Real Madrid like individually and collectively I think it could have been better defensively, and I will excuse them because I think there was some fatigue involved too. And that rain, what the hell? Like that rain in the second wow. half was just wild. Like, I, I think both teams really were affected by that to some degree, right? How crazy was that image of Messi shaking? Like, um, 
Well, that like that. It, it, it like touched me. It got to me. You didn't see that. I don't think so. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure it went viral. I saw it in the moment as well. My wife was was watching as well. She was going, Jesus. I mean, you see, Messi was literally looking at the sideline shake. You know, it was right before he changed his, his kit, right, right before he got the shirt changed. There was a big stop. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and he was shaking. Look, I'm, I'm really happy to, to, to hear that from you, that that relief was what you felt uh, when Benzema scored that goal because... And, and I think that kind of supports the theory that I was saying that up until that point, I felt that there was some sort of control um, and, and leading up to what could have been clear goal scoring chances. Now, you know, most times I think football fans and, and, and listeners of this podcast will probably think that goal scoring chances mean Courtois actually stopping balls from going in. And that was not the case. No, but there were certainly plays that were leading up to those types of chances. For uh, for example, sorry, now I remember the second chance where um, Messi actually puts a ball into the box, a nice little cross that a player like Dembele, who's not necessarily known for his aerial abilities does not is not able to header uh put a header in on the target uh and his header kind of finally kind of you know flies over the bar i believe it over the crossbar whereas like a player um like pique uh, a player like um i mean barca doesn't really or araujo for example um taller players maybe as tall as Dembele, but players who are more forceful uh, with their uh, head and, and have more aerial abilities or heading abilities could probably have done more damage with that. Now, you might say, well, Diego, that, that's just ifs, whens, or coulda, shoulda, woulda, but didn'ts. That's true. But football is always decided by the very small details, right? Um, and that is that was the case, I think, in those moments where it was because of those small details, like Elias, you mentioned it before, uh, in, in, in what was the 89th minute or 90 plus minute, if that ball would have gone, you know, five, six, seven centimeters further down, that would have ended up in the back of the net and we would have been talking about a fair draw. Uh, small details, small details that decided this match. I, do, I disagree strongly with all of the Kules that are very critical about certain players, very critical about the coach as well. Um, I've given up, you know, uh, on, on some of the group chats that I've been and trying to argue these points. I said, I'm going to wait for this podcast to kind of put, um, I guess, voice my opinion and put it out there and, 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 and see if it sticks. Because so far, I feel like I'm in a minor minority. Um, it's raining heavy criticisms over here in Barca. It was a Clásico. It was an incredibly important, important match. It, of course, does paint another bad picture on Kuman's results against big teams. Yes, we have not beaten big teams so far this season. Yes, Juventus you know, made us drop down to the second uh, spot in the Champions League, therefore having to play a big team like PSG. Yes, we didn't mean it managed to beat PSG or your Real Madrid or Atletico so far this season. Yes, those are all, you know, and it is the second Clásico lost under Kuman, which was the first time in like over a decade or something. Yes. However, I think, you know, being overly critical and just criticizing for the sake of criticizing or because our tempers are running high, you know, it's it's not doing justice with what we saw on the day, which I thought was a highly entertaining game of football where, like you said, both teams could have um, walked away with the three points. I think both teams walking away with one point would have been a fair result. However, you know, it was, it was Real Madrid that took the three points, unfortunately, for Barca's case. Now, on those small details... We have to talk about a little bit, small, small, small part about the referee. 
Well, before and, we get to that, before we get to that, can we talk about because okay. because oh. you mentioned like some of the chances that Barcelona had. I also just think I think it's definitely worth pointing out that, <clears throat> I mean, when you look at, I was actually kind of surprised that by the end of this game, Real Madrid had 14 shots, Barcelona had 18 shots. It's like both game, both teams had a lot more shots than I thought. For some reason, I, I just remember it differently in my head. But then the, the stats told me that there were more chances than, than I remembered. But then I also remembered, like, to be fair, Diego, this also, hmm. if it was close to 1-1, it was also close to 3-0. Like, those, those like, when, Absolutely. when Fede hits the post, and then Lucas Vasquez yes. has that huge, huge rebound yes. chance. And then there's the Tony mm-hmm. Cruz header, the one where, like, it of hits course. the back of Vinicius's head, and then Cruz has the diving header, and it's like, of all players for this to, <laughs> and to it just do, go way like, wide, the, the yeah. two worst headers of the game, like Vinicius and Cruz, mm-hmm. it falls to them. So like those, those were and huge chances too that that could have made it um, a much but, different. Kim, absolutely, well. and that's what I, when I refer to the you know coulda woulda shoulda but didn't that factors into it as well. I mean, people were talking, or Kules in this case, friends of mine um, and, 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 and colleagues in the newsroom were like, yeah, but it could have been 3-0 after half an hour. It could have been 3-0. It could have been 4-0 in the first half. I was like, yeah, well, could have. But it also could have been 2-2. It also could have been 2-1 for Barca. It also could have, if those chances would have materialized, been a different story. And it didn't. I mean, if all of, all of Madrid's chances would have materialized, can we not talk about the flip side of the coin and talk about Barca's chances potentially materializing? And I feel like that side of the argument is just completely being ignored. ignored. And mind you, I'm re- mainly referring here by Barca fans that I talk to on a daily basis. Not what's you know being said on Twitter or the media necessarily. But you're right, Kian. Yeah. So what did you want to say about the referee? You know, this is my least favorite part of the podcast. So let's just get it away. I know. So I, I, I need to talk about it too much. and and But I, I feel like I need to say something about it, seeing as my tweet triggered, you know, um, for the small pathetic account that I have, a, a, a large amount of reactions. Um, for me, there were three penalty calls in this game not called for Barca. There was the moment where... Um, Casimiro stomps on Longley's foot and they both go down. I believe this was in a corner opportunity or in a cross crossing opportunity. I don't know if you know the moment that I'm referring to. You might not because we didn't see many repetitions on it. Um, we did see afterward there are screenshots, etc. So there's a, there's there's a, a stomp on Longley's foot by Casimiro where I have to give it to Casimiro. I mean, he's maybe one of the smartest players in the game when it comes to these types of situations. Uh, you know, how he gets away with it. He's, he's a master of the dark arts and, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think that force part of football and I commend him for it. It's, um, but you know, the, 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 the repetition or, or, or the images show this as a fact. Um, there was Mendy with Dembele, uh, the moment where Dembele wins the position and Mendy comes in from behind him and they basically touch feet and, uh, makes Dembele trip over. That was not called. And then the least obvious penalty was, you know, that, that, that very dramatic flagrant fall by Braithwaite by I think it was again Mandy right or Mandy who who slightly slightly pulls him. There's a little tuck on the on the arm, 
that obviously sends outrage throughout the Barca bench and, and the Barca coach in particular. And uh, it's kind of what culminated all of this uh, post-match drama that, that came out of this match, which for me, you know, why did I tweet out what the actual fuck was because for me that was the third penalty not being called and I was very annoyed as well by something that Kuman mentioned as well, the lack of extra minutes. I was expecting this match to go well into the 96 minutes because of, you know, uh, Gil Manzano's little whatever was going on, the change of batteries of his thing. I thought four minutes was a pathetic amount of injury time to be played in such an important match that was so close, you know, to, to actually being a draw where, where, where it was just, you know, at that point it was what 80, 80 something percent, maybe 90% uh, possession for Barca. And we were seeing Ter Stegen run forward. So, um, so when that happened, yeah, it, that, it, 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 right. It was the drop that, that made the, the water overflow for my drink. Um, I wasn't drinking water at that point, but it, uh, it, it, it stung, it stung and, and it annoyed me. And, uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. It, I, I, it, there were bad calls, there were missed calls, and um, it's just it, it's one more. And and I think in moments like these that are defined by such small details, such fine details that do have big repercussions. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is I'm all fine and well by saying that the big teams more often than not benefit from these types of situations as opposed to the small teams. However, I think the outcomes are also dire. Uh, last year's decisions, refereeing decisions, allowed Real Madrid to quite comfortably in the end win La Liga title. And this season, um, you know, I think that Barca's been on the shit end of the stick. And, and, and you know, we have to kind of look at that and assume that these refereeing mistakes are not benefiting Barca. And I think in important moments like this, you know, it, uh, is it the all the, the be all end all argument as to why Barca lost? Absolutely not, and and that is why I mean, how many minutes we're we're over a half hour into this podcast, and I think it's time to at least address it. I'm not expecting you to have anything to say about it because it's not a topic you like to talk about. If you do want to share your opinions, that be my guess. But I wanted to mention it because you know because of first part of the game, and 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 I it, it it's something I need to out and bring to the attention of our listeners. So. I just, this conversation on churros happens at least once or twice a year. And I never agree. I just, I, I think it's crazy that anyone thinks that Real Madrid is like the, the beneficiary of, of all these calls. I think if anything, Barcelona are just as, they're just as, um, they're just as. But you, you, but you can say that hypothetically speaking, but then there's the facts that show something different, Kian. But those aren't facts. Those are just like selective memory. Those are just selective memory. Like we, you I'm talking about this, the classical. I'm talking about the classical. The classical. You mean the one where Rafael Varane got stomped on twice in the box last year and didn't get a penalty? Like, you know what I'm I mean? I'm talking like, about this classical. I'm talking about this classical. Just this one. So, okay, if you want to only just talk about, I thought you're you're doing this thing where you bring in Real Madrid and all this thing. There's these conspiracies that don't exist. But I, even this classical, like, um, so I don't really remember the two other incidents. I'm being really honest. I really don't remember. The one that I thought Kuman was really upset about in the post-game press conference was the Braithwaite-Mendy one, which, if anything, is just a dive by Braithwaite. And I just, like, here's where I stand on this. because I You've seen them called. You've seen them called. You've seen them called. Shouldn't be called and a, if they're called. And a Madrid-based Madrid refer for all the people on Twitter that call that, you know, a non-penalty call. 
a Madrid-based referee working for us said that is a penalty always. So for all the experts that we have out there on Twitter and replying to my text or my, my tweet, a Madrid-based referee working for us, AS, said that that is a penalty always. Okay, so for all the experts out there. That I take that opinion as much as I do when they, they bring in the expert referee in the Premier League games and he just goes there and agree with agrees and with every single referee and has no idea what he's talking about. I just it doesn't mean anything to me. I, you know, you can bring it you in. Discredit an expert. You d- come on. Yeah, why, why, I do. How can Absolutely. You discredit because an expert? somebody like, who's been working that job for 30 we, plus years. It doesn't matter. We get the same thing. Like we, we see <laughs> we see it in the Premier League all the time. They bring in this referee expert. He totally is looking at the same footage we are. He he spews some bullshit to to defend the call or whatever, and he's he's almost always wrong, just the way VAR is. We've seen this time and time again. We all have eyes. We see. We have the rule books in front of us. We see what it is and what it isn't. Like we like we will. This is my point. We selectively remember what we want to remember, and we forget the other stuff. There was another incident in this game where honestly I don't even bother to remember, but there was an incident where a Real Madrid player had was stomped on in the box too. And I can't even tell you that incident what it was now because I just don't really care to think about it that much. But um, so the other thing you pointed out was, and and before I get to a larger point, the other one you pointed out was the extra time and stuff and only four minutes. And I, you know, sure, like I, I do understand there was a lot of stoppages in this game. There could have been more than four minutes called. There was a study that... Um, 538 put I think it was like a I don't know how long ago it was now that they basically found that the average amount of football that's played in a football game is about 60 minutes and not 90 minutes so like the amount of time that's actually played is like very little Amazing. and so like I don't wow. I don't know like if you want to add an extra minute here and there be my guess like uh, sure I, I guess I won't argue with that I don't yeah and don't get me wrong Barca had 90 minutes to score you know goals so but it's just that in that moment, in that heated moment, and it, it doesn't get bigger and more heated than a classical. So, you know, listeners will have to excuse me for getting passionate, perhaps overly passionate about certain plays and certain uh, uh, calls or non-calls or, or decisions. That's me. That's why, you know, I'm sitting here, nearly 40-year-old man with um, a Barca scarf around my neck and <laughs> talking to my buddy across the pond over in Canada. Uh, for the past four, four, four years and, and doing this podcast called Churros y Tacticas because I'm passionate about um, this club, passionate about this game. And I live these games with a lot of, you know, with a heart on my sleeve. I just can't resonate with the whole victim thing. Like, I've always admired like Zidane that just, he's always gives the same canned response. It's boring, but it's like, I don't talk about referees. That's it. I don't care. Like, I, I've always admired and that's not that true. about him. What? And that's not true, Kian. On the podcast, we've 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 spoken. We've had this topic on the podcast, and I pulled up two, three examples where Zizu does in fact talk about the referees. And okay. and 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 we did this in video where I shared my screen and I showed you the quotes where he said certain things about the referees. So don't that's not true. When things don't go Zizu's way or Madrid's way, there's plenty of Madridistas within the institution, players and coaches alike that do talk about the referee. Oh, there's uh, there's no question. And by the way, I get embarrassed when the club actually puts out puts out these statements like against thing. I hate that stuff. I get embarrassed for it. I said like I honestly, and that's why if I'm a Barcelona fan, I'm embarrassed about what Kuman is saying. Like just like I just I can't resonate with this whole victim stuff. Like I it just mm. 
let's just talk about the football, the, the referee decisions. By the way, I still don't feel there was anything there that would have swayed the game one way or the other that was done incorrectly. And I, I just can't resonate with it. I can't. I, I hate talking about it. Every team gets screwed. Every team gets benefited at one point, classical or non-classical. It's just the same old story. It's the same old story. I'm, I hate it. It's the worst part of the podcast for me. I just can't do it. Like, like he was so mad about, and like, I, again, I, I read that post game. I read all the post game quotes. I didn't see him mention those other two incidents. I could be wrong, but he, they were all mad about the, um, the Braithwaite incident. Sergio Roberto was like, call, I was standing yeah. right there and all that. And like, that's not a foul. Yeah. Come on, man. That's not a foul. It's soft. And like the way Braithwaite throws himself down. I think like I think it was uh, very risky by Mendy to even try to hold any hands or whatever. But like the way the the flailing from Braithwaite and like that, if anything, that's a yellow for diving just to embellish it. That the thing way. is, players know no, but players know that they can get a penalty out of that. That that's just how. I mean, we've seen we've seen worse, softer calls being called. Here's what I thought about way more than the referee. If like that last shot that by Elijah. I was like yeah. screaming because Modric and Mariano, who was who did nothing in this game. I didn't see the purpose of him on the field at all. But but Modric, and, Mar- Modric and Mariano <clears throat> on that last play, they should have just had been all hands on deck in the box because even uh, Ter Sagan had come up for that one, and they weren't even close mm. to being in the box. They were just like up in the in the up a little bit more advanced in the field. And if they were there, maybe they could have prevented Elex from shooting that and preventing something very, very disastrous. So um, that's kind of where my mind was. I again, we can I can bring you a, a book of classical decisions that wrongly went our way. I'm sure you could do the same for yourself. I just don't believe this whole victim and conspiracy stuff. I really don't. It's never it's never been my cup of tea. So where does this leave the title race? Where does it leave Madrid? You got Lucas Vazquez out injured for an undetermined amount of time he's i don't know is it season. severe he's done for the season he's done for the season possibly what, that, what are we that gonna classical see possibly from... could have even been his last game for real madrid if his contract doesn't get renewed wow so uh where does that leave us for the season we have minor good news in that i mean it's great news um rafael varan will soon be back from his COVID. i think I don't know if it's Katafri or Cadiz he'll be back for. And then um, Dani Carvajal will be back soon. He's back in training. So in the meantime, the big question is, will Zidane trust Odriozola against Liverpool tomorrow or will he go with Ferland Mendy at right back? Those are big questions he has to answer. So it's it's a tough one. I don't know. I, honestly, the team, Ramos out with COVID, of course. Ramos out for COVID, but also his own injuries on top of that. So um, what... I mean, I'm curious to know what you think, or if this was even on your radar. Maybe your brain tuned it out. I don't know. But did Real Madrid look tired to you in that in the Clásico? Like, very, very. Yeah. I mean, at at the end there, uh, very. It was very apparent that you know this is a team that is playing not just in La Liga but also um, for the Champions League trophy against a very good side that is a very good Liverpool side who they have to face. A few days later, uh, and here we are, you know, tomorrow they, of course, have to play the uh, away leg over in uh, Liverpool, and that was noticeable. That and, of course, the weather. The What was that? It was insane. 
the amount of rain and wind. I mean, we even, you know, forgot to talk about Messi in the first half that El Gol Olimpico. I don't know if you call it an Olympic goal uh, in English, but, you know, I think a, a large part of that, an, an Olympic goal, is what we call it in Spain, un gol olimpico, is when okay. you um, shoot directly from a corner into the goal, oh. uh, where in this case, Messi hit the post. But I, I feel like he was taking advantage of that wind that was blowing into his favor. Um, I like to think that he was very astute and clever to uh, to use that in his favor. Not to say that he couldn't do it without the wind. But, um, uh, yeah, the weather was, was insane. Uh, it was clearly extremely cold. I invite you to, to look at those images of, of Messi, literally his body shaking. Um, and of course, the fatigue was very apparent for me on 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 the players of Real Madrid. Um, so, you know, I, I I think that this gave them possibly the biggest boost that these players would have needed in this time of season with such important clutch matches still ahead of them. Um, I think this kind of you know these kind of wins make champions as much as we like to talk about champions are or, or championships are won in stadiums the likes of El Sadar in Osasuna, Tafel, Coliseum, etc. etc. Uh, you know, there's no bigger moral booster, I think, than coming away with a narrow and, and, and champion-like victory in a classic over your bitter rival to set you up for, you know, further success down the line when there's only, uh, what is it, eight matches remaining. And, um, you know, I think the wind, talking about the wind factor, the wind is blowing in Madrid's favor. I uh, see them as the number one candidates at this point in time for La Liga. I'm very curious to see what will happen in the Champions League. Uh, they've got a fantastic force reason the first leg that will be very difficult to overcome for a team like Liverpool that is uh, disarray, perhaps is an exaggeration, but surely a shadow of themselves if you compare them to last season um, and that team that demolished the likes of Barca. So, and, you know, there were league and, and Champions League winners. Um, you know... <sighs> Atletico also dropping points, man. So, so yeah, you know. I mean, are, are we gonna see Madrid win the doblete now? It's 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 on the cards, and it's you know the biggest cards that are on the table. I think. Uh, it sounds like a dream for you, doblete. Oh my god. Well, you know, just so some quick thoughts on Atleti. There, you know, we we went over the schedule. I think it was last week. And they have, of the three remaining, of the three teams, they have the, the toughest remaining schedule. And we're talking about, like, decimated by injuries and stuff. They're decimated. And I, I believe they received a blow to Jao Felix this morning. Um, so I think he's going to miss Abar. So they have the Abar-Huesca game. That's kind of a little bit the calm before the storm, before they go to San Mames, and then they have to eventually go away to Camp Nou. And then the last game in the season is at home to Real Sociedad. It's, uh, you know, from a pure scheduling perspective, Real Madrid has a quote-unquote easier schedule, and that's not meant to disrespect. That's just on paper and looking at the teams in the standings. Um, obviously, it's much easier said than done, and all those teams can are capable of punching above their weight, but um, the schedule does lean towards Real Madrid a little bit. Of course, you know, there is the fact that they have to play in the Champions League, but, you know, Barcelona have to play this weekend in, uh, in Copa del Rey final. So you're going to have a game in hand after this weekend. So yeah. um, I guess we can cross that bridge yeah. when we get there on Friday's show. But it's a, it's a good week for Real Madrid fans. But 
as we know, man, football can change in an instant. Liverpool could win tomorrow's game 3-0. And, yeah. and then Real Madrid, who knows what could happen to them psychologically after that. So a lot of everything's on the table still. Everything's on the table. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Lolo, your son, is uh, whispering in your ear. So I think that's a good good time to let you go and have some supper. And uh, gives me some time to updo some podcast editing and, and other stuff. So, Diego... This was not as hostile as I thought it would be. Hey, man. A lot of days have passed. We're getting soft. A lot of days have passed. I'm getting older as well. But um, look, it's, it's, you know, in Spanish you say that I I gave my opinion in frío. Like I I gave it now in cold. Some days passed. Emotions have calmed down a little bit. Um, You know, managed to go over the game uh, several times. And there are certain, certainly still times where my do, my blood does boil a little bit because of those, uh, because of what we talked about, your least That's favorite topic. But uh, I think you know, reflecting on it, it's I'm, I, I just I guess my message, my big takeaway is that I I feel that Barca fans are being overly critical uh, and unjustly. I think that there's still a lot of good things in this team. I think that you know. That, that the result doesn't reflect what we saw on the day. And, um, you know, with the permission of Real Madrid, if they do drop points, that, that we could still see a Barca champion. It's, La Liga oh, is, is tighter than ever. Uh, I mean, the, the, the two points separate first place from third. Um, so anything can happen. And, and hopefully it will. And, 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 you know, these next upcoming fixtures will decide. No question. Everything is on the table. Um, it's possible to lose both classicals and win the league. Uh, we've seen that before. So that's the, I'm happy, sorry. That is the only thing that makes me doubt. I guess is the fact that the two classicals were lost and 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 Barca losing against the big teams. That's why I give the edge to to Real Madrid. Is is that you know that solidity, uh, that factor. You know it has to count for something. And 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 I don't see a champion out of this Liga come from a team that hasn't stepped to the plate against the big teams, against the juggernauts, and losing two Clásicos in one season. I, you know, you said that it can happen. I, I don't remember, you know, maybe in... Actually, hold on. I, I was about to say, I don't remember one of the teams coming out champion after having lost both Clásicos. I think you th- seen it. That's why I said that it. I feel like it's happened. In, in, I think in the year 2000, if I'm not mistaken... And it was the centenary of Barca. I think we won both Clásicos and Real Madrid went on to win the, the La Liga. So uh, I guess to conclude, it's nice to see the tension on the field back in the Classico. It's nice to see a great Classico. Yeah. It's, honestly, people will say, people will like say like they'll give their opinion on the Modric PK thing after the game. I love that. I love that stuff. I love the mm-hmm. fact that we have that back in the Classico. Any kind of tension is good. Um, maybe that's so because I grew up in props. the '90s NBA era, and I just love trash talk and the NBA drama, and I kind of like to see that. Obviously, we, we feel more opinionated about it when it's our teams, but um, it's nice to see that back. Um, and uh, well, So you're going only... from saying you'd be embarrassed with Kuman as a coach because he's, yeah, you know, well, because he's hyping things up. But then, yeah, well, you know, what do you want? I, I kind of like both. I kind of like, I'm, I like, I like, <laughs> you got I have feelings. a love hate relationship with it, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like if we had this podcast in the Mourinho Pep era, um, mm-hmm. I would have, I would have been very opinionated uh, on everything. But I also would have been 
kind of thankful for the ratings and the, the tension <laughs> yeah. and the fact that you know yeah, what I mean. Right. So it's all Absolutely. good. It's Absolutely. all good. It's all sports. It's all it's all fun. If the if this rivalry wasn't as heated and petty, then it wouldn't be a rivalry and it wouldn't be as fun. So bring on That's the pettiness it. and uh, on to the next one. And uh, we'll see where this where this road leads to. And Diego, this was fun. So oh, join us over on patreon.com slash tacticas. Uh, feel free to su- submit your questions over there and we'll, we'll uh, make sure we, we take care of you. So Diego, thanks my man. Enjoy your supper. Enjoy the week. Take care, buddy. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.